Welcome to episode 12 of Football Neophytes podcast. We have multiple derbies this weekend, some really nice and pretty poor goalkeeping, Arsenal's lack of discipline, a nice kick in the ass, and we're going to introduce not one, but two new little games to the podcast. Welcome, gentlemen. What's up, Nate? How's it going? What's happening? Not much. How are you guys doing? Doing well. It's uh, it was a good weekend of soccer. It was strange. It was kind of like uh, you know, every every uh, season in the NFL, you hit like week four or five, and you go into the week and you like, yeah, we kind of know who the winners and losers are at this point, and then it flips itself upside down, and you realize you know nothing i think this week was that week in the premier league where it was like well we thought we knew but these results don't go with that yeah yeah it really was a strange a strange weekend um obviously manchester derby was the highlight of the weekend or the most kind of anticipated match of the weekend chris yeah um what are your thoughts you know um you can't be mad at the point. You got to be happy with the point, especially in a Derby. Um, you hope for more, you accept, you know, the nil, nil clean sheet. You got, you got to like that city came in firing on all cylinders. So it was great to pull a clean sheet from that. Um, you know, it was, uh, it wasn't as bad as the Spurs Chelsea game a couple weeks ago. That was just, we were all hyped for the top two teams to go at it. And it was just garbage. Yeah. It wasn't it was that level. battle. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that level of boring, um, but it definitely lacked excitement. Uh, chances were few and far between. Uh, I texted you guys kind of jokingly, you know, they announced the lineups an hour before the game. And I joked with you guys that, you know, this is the most exciting text I get every week to see. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's still, I was glad he played Pogba all game. I was sad at some of his other decisions that just didn't work out. And then that he didn't change anything in that game to try and, and attack at the end, I guess you could say. But all things considered, um, you take the one point and you're happy. Uh, the, the antagonist in me takes the one point and goes, I kind of wish we would have just lost. <laughs> and <laughs> Uh, you know, moved because I mean, there's still a lot of rumors that Ole's on the way out, and that could have been his final call. So, um, you know, it is what it is, and uh, I'll take the one point as a fan and be happy about it, and just hope that the team progresses and plays better. Yep. Yeah, I think they uh, Manchester United held their own, and you got to be happy with that, especially with the way City had been playing. Their form was really good, and obviously you're you're at home. Uh, you haven't played well at Old Trafford this year, and so um, you want to get three points at home, but you'll take you'll take the one against a team of quality like City. And you know, with the game in hand, you're still in striking distance to 
being top four, right? So, so you got to be, got to be happy with that. For sure. But it is worth noting that Manchester United doesn't like winning at home. I know you may want the three at home, but they don't. Yeah. (laughs) And still no fans. Right. So it, it was interesting to watch some of the matches with fans. And, you know, we've talked about that a little bit. Do the fans make a difference? And, you know, other than a couple matches, it seems like they have a little bit, not necessarily in, in determining the results, but um, I know, you know, Jordan Pickford was interviewed after the Everton match saying it was really encouraging to have the, the Everton fans there. And so whether it's, you know, a, whether they're having a huge impact or not, when it's a one, one goal differential in a, in a game, it could right to hear those fans and they are making quite a bit of noise, which is, which is really exciting. So. Yeah. It was fun to watch the uh, pregame for the Liverpool match and see the fans there and doing like the traditional chanting and clapping as the team comes out and everything. That stuff is, it's fun to see that stuff again. It's been so long. Absolutely. And they play so much of a bigger role than in, I think, American sports, maybe college basketball, I think is probably the most comparable where a college basketball stadium has its own aura, right? ASU played GCU this weekend, which is like to anyone who's not, maybe everyone who's not from Arizona, it's like inconsequential basketball game, but GCU has this really great atmosphere and Bobby Hurley commented on it after, after the game, what a great atmosphere it is. And so I think, I think it does add something to, to these matches that fans are starting to come back. One place fans are not is at the Molyneux. And if I was, I was like depressed after last weekend's like thrashing uh, by Liverpool more because I thought we were closer in skill to Liverpool than that, than we are. And this match, I was just angry. (laughs) Like if I was, if I was disappointed about last week, I was just straight angry about this one. Um, I was really excited. Nuno ran out a four, two, three, one formation. So four at the back, which is not, which this is kind of counterintuitive, but if you have three at the back, it's a more defensive lineup because you have more midfielders mm. who come and play back. So it tends to be more like having five in the back. So when Nuno plays a four in the back, it's a bit more offensive than two midfielders, three like forwards essentially or attacking midfielders. And then, uh, and then a striker with Fabio Silva getting his first start and they looked good on the attack. It was really, it was exciting. It was, it was fun to watch there. They had quite a few shots on goal, which was great. Um, most of them, unfortunately were like right at the keeper. Um, didn't make him work very hard. Um, Fabio Silva had one off the post, but defensively they looked great, especially with four at the back. I mean, they, um, Aston Villa didn't get many shots on target. They didn't really have that many shots in general. And then one bad defensive mistake cost Wolves the game. Nelson Semedo with a foul in the box super clear, like obvious, clear and obvious, like, I mean, it was so obvious. And 
in the 93rd minute and that's the match. So I was, I was super angry. I was excited to have a morning game on Saturday until seven 30 in the morning when I realized like the rest of my day and probably weekend, I would be playing that game back in, in my mind and being frustrated. But I think some of the positives, Fabio Silva looked pretty good for an 18 year old playing in the premier league. Um, not great. I obviously he's got a lot of, a lot of learning, but but I was impressed with the way he, he really attacked the ball. So as like a, a, the most forward playing player, when a defender had the ball, he was constantly running at him and putting pressure on, on the defense to get the ball forward. And, and I really appreciated that. So, um, but man, a really sad and disappointing (laughs) loss for wolves. And I think there's only three teams who have, gathered the least amount of points in their last five, five games than wolves. So uh, they're in a bad, bad run of form right now. I was, uh, I was going to joke with you about the fans not being back at Molyneux, whether it was uh, COVID related or offensive display related, but that would have been a low blow. So yeah, that's a low blow. Yeah. I take it back. I'm sorry. Nate, are you at all worried at this point about, slipping down to that relegation zone or do you think that they have what it takes to stay clear of that yeah I mean I think I'm not I'm not worried about that um certainly anything can happen but um they just have too too good a quality I think Nuno's too good of a of a manager for that to happen and to be honest the bottom is that bad like the you I mean I just think those those bottom three or four teams it's hard to imagine anyone falling below them they just the the bottom four are, are that are that bad regardless of how uh fulham played this weekend and they did they played they played well they played uh the the champs well and first 30 minutes really outplayed liverpool um and so you got to play a full 90 but i mean to come away with a point for them i think they're going to need all those points they can get when it comes to the relegation battle at the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, I would not be worried as a Wolves fan about relegation. Let me ask you this though, because I feel confident in that they won't get relegated. Do you look at this season and go, let's just run them out there, get the young guys in there, get them playing time play the best strikers we can. Maybe we can create more of an offensive function to our team and just go for it for the year. Or do you want them to keep their system, you know, which has been really successful for these last couple of years. And as a Wolves fan, you have to be so happy with what Nuno's brought to the team and the way he's played the guys. Uh, what do you like, how do you look at the rest of the season with where you're at right now? Yeah, I would probably, I'm a builder. So I like, I like building. I like, seeing young guys progress and I like looking towards next year. Um, and so, so I'm not ready to throw in the towel on this year yet, but I think our, our long-term ambitions are to be playing in Europe. And I think at this, at this point, there's a, there's a long road ahead of them. They're just dropping too many points. And so, especially heading into the rest of December where we've got a lot of matches and a lot of quality opponents. And so they're, there's a potential for wolves to have a really big deficit um, 
heading into the second half of the year. So, so I, I would love to see Nuno tinker, tinker, tinker with the lineup and the players and without Raul just tinker away. And then, you know, maybe finish the season kind of like Southampton did last year, you know, Southampton got thrashed towards the middle of last year and um, Hassan Hoodle came in, got the team kind of up and running and they finished the year really strong and obviously have started this year really strong. So I'd love to see Nuno do something like that. I think that's kind of best case scenario is let them tinker, give the young guys and figure out what, who fits this formation. If he wants to stick with this four, two, three, one, or four, three, three, or something like that, and just figure out what guys fit best, where let the guys who are injured get healthy and maybe, maybe have a good run of form at the end of the season. So that's kind of where I stand. Let's talk about some other matches though. Um, I do want to talk about another fledgling team, but this is maybe more like, it's worse because it's Arsenal. You know, you have a top six team. We've talked about it. I think they're 90 something years in a row in top flight English football. They are like the most consistent cream of the crop of Premier League, world renowned team, the Invincibles. They they are just perennial top six and they're down, I think, 15th or 16th right now. I mean, they... I think only have one point in the last five matches. I mean, it's just, it's, they're, they're a mess and uh, we can move in into red card card. a little bit right now, but um, there's a, there's something going on with that team. They lack discipline. They lack leadership. Um, Obama Yang isn't playing well. I mean, is he even playing? He is. He scored. <laughs> That's actually how they lost. Um, was an was an own goal. So, yes, he's 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 definitely there, and um, Burnley is thankful for him. Actually, yeah, and I mean, obviously, Arsenal's on the struggle bus, much much worse than the Wolves are, in my opinion. Um, I I think that they're lucky this season is what it is, and that that bottom four is pretty bad um even saying that though they're only five points clear of being in that bottom three so it's not like they're in the safest of positions um I didn't love their offseason I I thought going into the year the signings they made weren't that great I'm not a huge William fan yeah I didn't didn't really like him at at Chelsea I didn't think he really brought that much to the table and to be a high price signing as he was and bringing him in to pair with Aubameyang I just kind of went meh and it looks like it really is meh. Well, I actually think they got, I think William was actually a free transfer. He was, but I mean, they paid him a decent amount. Oh, I to, to Like his contract to play yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They didn't pay anything to, to get him in, but they gave him a contract to play for them. Of course, I mean. yeah. Um, you know, but like just watching him at Chelsea, just hoping that Christian would get in and play and having to watch him so much. I was like, what, what? I don't get this guy at all. So, um yeah, I don't know. I, did, I didn't love their offseason, and I'm not surprised with how much they're sh- – well, maybe I am surprised how much because they still have talent. That's the hardest part to figure out. Um, so, I don't know. They're they're a mess, though. Yeah, it's it doesn't look good. Um, yeah, red card watch, 
Jaka with the little the choke um there's a red card um which i get like the whole play the way that everything broke down uh jaka had the tackle which was was a yellow card the ref called it as a yellow card big scuffle kind of ensues grabs him by the throat the guy falls over because anytime you're touched above the neck you fall over that's just what you do as a soccer player um they go to var var determines it was worthy of a red card so i get that the, you know, what we've seen over the last, you know, few months, you touch anyone on the neck, the head, uh, you're getting a red card for it. So I get that they gave him the red card. I, I guess my question is, is when they come out of review from VAR, the referee rescinds the yellow for the tackle and issues the red card for the throat grab, if you will. I don't understand the point of that. Like, why not just say you had the yellow for the tackle and now you're getting a red for uh, the throw grab. Do you, do you know anything about that? Like why it went down that way? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I don't know why, because yellows are cumulative. You would think that they would keep the yellow for the tackle and then do the red for the chokehold. So I don't know why they wipe one away if there's not possible to give two fouls on one play. I mean, I think they're not doing double yellow, right? Because that has different implications for how many matches you miss. Like a straight red yeah. is three, double yellow is just one match. So um, so it's clear why they want to give them the straight red. But but I don't know why they wipe away the the yellow. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, it just it, that part of it didn't make sense. I get the letter of the law deserve the red because we've seen that obviously be called all season. It's just, it's just like weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. While we're talking double yellows and we're in red card territory, um, that is another, the Wolves, Wolves, Aston Villa match was very chippy. Lots of fouls, lots of yellows. Mike Dean handing out yellow cards like they're candy. Um, and all of them legit. I mean, Jal Matinho, I don't, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but have you noticed that it seems like yellows come out more towards the end of matches than the beginning of matches? Yeah. It's almost like, okay, you've hard tackled this guy one too many times. This hard tackle now gets you a yellow. I've warned you or, you know, you've been rough all match and now, now I'm giving you a yellow. Yeah. And I think that is, I don't, maybe it's not the rules, but it seems to be the letter of the law. Like, because I think that happened a lot in the city United game um, where they kept talking to guys, kept talking to guys, kept talking to guys. And even the announcers were like, you've got to figure that's his last warning. The next time he does something, he's getting a yellow. And sure enough, it was. So I don't know if that's like <laughs> black and white in the rule book, but it certainly seems to be the letter of the law. Yeah. Yeah. So Wolves, Giamatino got double yellow. Um, and before that, Douglas Louise for Aston Villa. And that that's so disappointing too. I mean, not to go back to Wolves, but um when you're you've got a man advantage with the final 10 minutes, you've been the more attacking presence. And seriously, those last 10 minutes, Aston Villa had the pressure on Wolves. And you're like, how how does that happen? That you've got your one man up and yet the other team has possession and is pressing you when it really, you would think it'd be the other way around. So uh, those are our red cards. There was in going back to Arsenal, there was like a should have been red card. Um, I don't remember who El Nenny 
El Nenny pushed someone down, an Arsenal guy, pushed, pushed a guy down. Um, and then like flopped himself. I mean, Chris, did you guys see this? I didn't, I didn't see it. Oh, I wish. I mean, it is one of the all time. You guys are going to have to look for it. Uh, I'll try and find the clip and throw it in the show notes, but it was, was it later of, in the match. Like, was it after the first red card or was it before? Yeah, it was after the first red card. Um, I'll look for it and, and throw it up there. It's, it's ridiculous. It's a, it's one of the worst flops I've ever seen. <laughs> Not even touched. And he just goes flailing to the ground. I think it's because he pushed the guy down and he thought he was going to get a card. So Kyle, you focused on Everton uh, versus Chelsea. You, I think you chose to watch that match because you're hoping to see uh, Christian again, but um, alas, he's a scratch. So um, tell us about that match. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't buy a win when it comes to watching that guy, but nevertheless, it was a great match. Uh, really interesting to watch, right? Everton scored early on a penalty kick. And then really from that moment on, it was just hanging on to their butts as, as Chelsea tried to get back in the game, Chelsea had possession about 70% of the time. And really it was just chance after chance after chance. They hit the post twice. Yeah. Um, and so if you're Everton and there were fans in the stadium watching, they're just praying that they can hold on to that one nil lead. And sure enough, at the end of the day, their defense was able to do enough to where they came away with the clean sheet and scored the three points against Chelsea, a really great win for them. Uh, yeah. I think they, they were really pleased and those fans being in the stadium for the first time. were really excited to see that. So really fun game to watch miss Christian but had a good time watching it nonetheless. That one, the, the miss to me, that was like the, the best miss of, of that match. I think it was Mason Mount. I don't, I don't remember mm-hmm. who it was, but Pickford tried to clear a ball. So he may, he like, he, he comes rushing out and kind of does a poor job of, of clearing it and punching the ball away. I think it was Mason Mount from distance. He tries to chip it over his head and you just watch, yeah. you watch yeah. the Everton defenders like watching the ball. Like, is it going to dip under the bar? And sure enough, it didn't, but. Um, yeah. That was one of the ones where your heart just sinks for about what feels like a minute. And actually it's a couple seconds, but that wasn't even one of the ones that I was speaking to when I said it hit the post, like there were two others. So um, they just had a lot of close calls. But like I said, if you're Everton, you don't care. Um, you got the W so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was interesting because Pickford was the one was one of the interviews I saw after the match. And I know Pickford made some good plays, but also looked like he had some suspect goaltending, which I've been critical of Pickford. He obviously Hmm. was like had um, like seemingly lost his job. There was rumors that he lost his, his job. Um, What did you make of him in the match? Yeah, I, I think that, like I said, he, he got beat a couple of times and got bailed out by the post. Um, overall, he did make a couple stops that were impressive. Uh, but even just looking back at the stats, there he didn't have that many saves. I think it was just more of constantly being on that side of the pitch that, that made it feel that it was overwhelming. Um, but yeah, I didn't have too many thoughts one way or the other on him. Is he the national team goalie as well, or...? He has been. Yeah. I mean, I actually don't know who is now, but 
I think in the last World Cup he was. Okay. He, yeah, to be him. honest, I dislike him so much that. Why is that? I don't, there's some, I don't know what there is about him. One, <laughs> I just think he's kind of a suspect keeper. So there's like the talent, but there's something about him that just rubs me the wrong way. Like <laughs> his attitude on the pitch. I, I don't know what it is, but it's like one of the reasons, like when I was watching Everton and like considering them, I'm like, I just don't know if I can get behind a Jordan. Okay. That's interesting. Is he your number one guy that's like that in the EPL or do you have someone else that, because for me, Kyle Walker is that guy. Oh really? Where I'm just like, I just, his attitude on the pitch and how smug he always looks and Oh man, Kyle Walker's that guy for me. So I don't know if you have someone that's like higher than Pickford or Pickford's just your guy. I'll have to think through it. But I think Pickford's the guy that just every time I see him, I'm like, I <laughs> okay. can't, I can't handle you, bro. That's so funny. Um, I'll have to do a, a little bit closer look at him because, you know, I, I did come away pretty favorable watching Everton in general. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and go through my golden boot tiers here. Do it. Infrastructure. You know, you had mentioned Arsenal being one of those teams that had been in the top league for the long, one of the, you know, if not the longest, one of the longest consecutive streaks. Um, Everton doesn't have that claim, but they do have the claim of being in the top division for the most amount of years overall, 117. And so they've only missed four total, believe it or not. They missed one in the thirties and, three in the fifties. So they've been a part of whatever that top division has been for basically their, their whole existence. Um, They did win a bunch early on, you know, nine league cups, some other major trophies, uh, but they haven't won really what would be considered, or at least what I would consider a major trophy since 95. So they haven't had a ton of recent success. Um, You know, as, as well as under infrastructure, they do have a pretty recognizable coach. Carlos Ancelotti, um, who the good about him, right, from what I read, was he's one of only three managers to have won the Champions League three times. Uh, He's won the FIFA World Cup twice, or Club World Cup twice. And I think, generally speaking, he's regarded as a pretty successful and um, well-respected manager. The bad about him is that ever since he was let go by Real Madrid, it seems like it hasn't gone very well. He's had short stops and been dismissed for really unknown reasons, but it, but it's all, it kind of just doesn't look very good in those last two stops being at Byron Munich and then Napoli. So now I don't know what to make of that because a guy with his track record and he didn't perform that poorly at either of those places, so I'm not sure exactly why he was let go so quickly, but it seems like Everton's kind of lucky to have him. Yeah. Do you guys have any background on him as a manager? Nope. No, other than other other than just knowing that he has that like pedigree behind him. Yeah. You would think like you can understand Real Madrid, right? Like, or do you say Bayern Munich? Bayern Munich. You can understand Bayern Munich where you're expecting yep. win titles. Exactly. Na- Napoli. Napoli's a great club, but they're not, they're not Inter Milan. They're not Juventus. They're not AC Milan. They don't have that type of pedigree where they're expected to win a title every year, every couple of years. And so 
the Napoli dismissal is more interesting to me, even than the Bayern Munich one. Um, yeah. But no, I think when, when, when Everton got, got him, I know there was a lot of like hype around it. So, and, yeah. and even to start this season, like a lot of people were saying like, oh, it looks like Ancelotti like figured it out. Like has got mm. these guys playing finally well together because they've spent a lot of money there at Everton too recently, um, especially before last season. So last season was a big disappointment. And so it felt like, oh, he, it just took him a year to figure it out and get all the, got all these pieces to click together, which it did look that way at the beginning of the season. We'll see if maybe this is a turning point for them um, moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so I think there's some good and some bad with their infrastructure and their history. I, I, I gave them three golden boots. I, I think there's some things to like and then some things where you're like, it just doesn't add up. You should be more successful than you have been. Yeah. As they're far as like, goes, I mean, in some ways, in some yeah. ways, and you'll appreciate this, they're kind of like the Cubs, like pre-World Series Cubs, like okay. a, a storied franchise, right? They've been in yep. the top flight longer than anyone else always expectations to win but middling around in the middle of the like middle of the table sometimes getting some success but nothing like well okay i'm so glad you did that and we did not talk about this but i actually had a baseball comp for them as well oh interesting so being that they are in this like very close right to Liverpool who I talked about last week their stadium is less than a mile away which is crazy to me to think about that um and obviously Liverpool right now is just on top of the world they're the club everyone else wants to be um they seem to have all the recent success and the recent glory and meanwhile Everton the thing about them is they're not so oftentimes when you get two, two teams in one city or, or really near each other, the other one's a complete joke, right? Yeah. And I wouldn't call Everton a complete joke. No, so no, they're not, no. yeah, they're not the, um, they're not the Clippers to the Lakers. That's right? right. Yep. And to, to mix sports here, but, but that's not what they are. Um, and so they had some success in the past. They have some good things about them but they're not the new shiny um, club with the recent success and the nice, you know, kind of gloss on them. So here's my baseball comp. Okay. And you're going to appreciate this one. Liverpool is the San Francisco giants. Everton is the Oakland A's. Okay. I can, can you see that? Yeah, I could, I could see that. I could see that. I mean, if the Oakland A's very recent money. history, obviously the Giants haven't had like the last couple seasons doesn't work. But if you take the last ten years, yeah, I think it, yeah, that's good. I like it. Okay, so they're the Oakland A's, which is a good thing in my book. Yeah, um, not that there's anything wrong with the Giants, but Everton's not playing money ball though. That's for dang sure. <laughs> yeah, I wish they had a little bit. I wish they had their own version of Billy Bean, but that's all right. Okay, so moving on to culture, um, they actually got some pretty cool stuff here. Uh, their players always walk out to this song called Johnny Todd, which anytime you walk out and have something at the beginning of a match to rally your crowd, I think is awesome. I'll be honest. The song is not actually that good. (laughs) I wish it was better song, 
but uh, I think it's a wait really cool you, tradition. Wait until you feature West Ham. Just wait till okay. you feature West Ham. <laughs> okay. Very good. Very good. I was really pumped up when I was listening to this Johnny Todd song. And then I, I, I can't even describe it. It's, it's not what I was expecting, but I do respect the tradition. The next two pieces of factoids here, I love. Okay, they were by a previous manager, and it's stuck with them. And now, now they they just claim it. It's on their banners in the stadium. Everything. They're known as the People's Club, and I love that. I, I mean, it's a little bit cocky, but I just think it's it's a great way to be known. It's a great monitor moniker to give yourself, and. Uh, I think there's like no downside to it. It's an amazing, amazing nickname. Yeah. And then in addition to that, their official supporters club calls themselves Foreverton. Like Foreverton. Oh, yeah. And, okay. It's amazing. It's a great yeah. name. I love both of those things. Uh, so culture, I'm giving them four golden boots for that. I love it. I'd love to be like just tweet Foreverton every, every time, you know, they score a goal. Um, big strikers, not a lot there, right? There's not really much to write home about. Um, they do have, you know, Dominic Lewin seems to be a pretty special up and comer from what I was able to gather. I've always had a soft spot for Jaime Rodriguez. I watched that world cup where he broke out and I'll just always think he's the coolest guy. So I do have a soft spot for him. Uh, but don't, don't really meet the criteria for big imposing strikers. So what only two Rich- golden boots. What about Richar- Richarlison? Was he, uh, did he feature? I know he had gotten a red card um, and I think he was suspended for a few matches. Was Did you see him? I don't recall seeing him, no. Okay. Do you think he would sure be- he's back. He is, is back? He back? Okay. Yeah, I think he had an assist last week. Oh, okay. 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 Well, Richarlison's the look- guy to keep your eye out for. Yep. Maybe that's something we could add to to these when you tell us who you're gonna play who you're watching we could maybe help you out a little bit like yeah, give, give me some, some tips. give you a couple yeah. names this is on the fly um mentoring and and changing of our of our yeah team, so that'd be great that'd be great we'll start this week we um go. just to wrap it up here kits and sponsors they their crest that they have is pretty cool and pretty interesting there's a building on there that's actually uh, a building in town called the Everton Lockup, which is this building that was built in like the 1800s. And it's small little kind of like looks like an ice cream cone almost. And it was where they used to keep the town drunks. Um, and they put that on their crest, which I think is is kind of funny. Um, and they also have a, on their crest a, a Latin phrase that means nothing but the best is good enough. So that's pretty solid, pretty solid yeah. crest. The rest of their kits are kind of plain, very, very plain, I would say. Um, and their sponsor's not great. Kazoo, big big letters across the chest. So just two golden boots, nothing bad. Maybe should have even given them three, but I gave them two. Um, Again, you're lucky last, you weren't following them last year when they had an Angry Birds patch on <laughs> one of their arms. When they had an Angry Birds uh, sleeve sponsor. I'm, yes. I'm pretty sure that that was part of the reason I ruled them out as one of my teams. I eliminated <laughs> anyone with a cell phone game app as a contender in, in my book. Cause there were multiple, there were multiple. Then you basically would just rule out the entire country of Finland. I remember <laughs> when, it, when 
<laughs> Angry Birds was big and they, that's where it developed. And they were just so proud of developing Angry Birds. Um, it was everywhere. So don't go to Finland. There we go. Hey, so that gives them 12 golden boots. Um, but honestly left like a really good, I, I don't know. I really liked them. I, the, the whole kind of analogy of them being right next to Liverpool and being this club that hasn't really reached the heights that maybe they should have, but, but not for reasons of complete ineptitude. They just seem to be kind of on the, that sleeping giant. I'm drawn to that. And so um, there's, there's more there than meets the eye in my opinion. So I, I've actually put them alongside the wolves in the Clint Dempsey tier. Nice. I like it. Like it. Yeah. They, uh, they definitely, I think the, my Cubs analogy works well Mm. some of their long long suffering um fandom of just kind of disappointment and yep not not quite making it so you know what that's all about (laughs) i do and it was great when it came through right and that's part of that's part of the uh you know allure of being a fan of a team like that definitely let's talk about a couple other little things um James Ward Prowse, again, just putting balls where he wants them. Vestergaard misses a thundering header. I mean, just a massive header he missed. But um, Southampton keeps playing great. 3-0, drubbing of of Sheffield. Um, Doing what they need to do, right? Like, if you're going to play at the top, if you're going to keep contending for top four, top six, they need to to win those matches and three nil that's a solid way way to go um i also want to talk about the shea adams goal i don't i don't know if you guys saw it but um egan goes up and makes kind of a poor play on the ball shea adams kicks the ball i think through his legs i tried to watch the the clip they're both up in the air so their legs kind of flying around through the air but also not only scores the goal, but also kicks Egan right in the ass. I mean, just to add insult to injury, just right in, in the butt. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, it reminded me of like one of the craziest, but most bizarre things I ever, I've ever seen. I, when I was living in Prague or living in the Czech Republic, I was on a Metro. I was taking the escalator down the Metro and just kind of spacing out, probably listening to music. I was by myself and this guy comes running down the escalator, like brushes past me and kicks this old man right in the ass and then turns around, gets on the other escalator and then (laughs) runs up the the other up escalator. And I'm just like, did this this really happen in real life? So Anytime. I mean, the butt, the butt kick is such like a junior high move. So, so when I saw this, like, it's like a 25 year old dude kicking a 60 year old guy right in the butt. Um, uh, so when Shay Adams did that, uh, brought, brought back some funny memories for me. Well, it was just another Sheffield ass kicking is all that was. That's true. That's true. Sheffield off to the worst start in premier league history. So yeah, poor poor Sheffield. I, 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 you know, 
I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a little soft spot in my heart for those teams that get promoted. Like I would, I'd like to see them be okay, but you know, they were okay sure. last year until the restart. And then it went downhill real quick. So I don't know. Feel for you, Sheffield fans. Yep, definitely. Uh, Kyle, what is your, your term of the week or concept of the week? Yeah. So my, term concept of the week is one I understand uh, a little bit about, right? I get the, I think I get the concept of it and that's park the bus, but I would like to better understand from you guys, some of the nuances of it. So what I infer from that term is that it's a strategy. Once you have the lead, or maybe you're just trying to not give up any more goals, you park the bus by just moving more of your team back, you know, towards your goal in a defensive position. That's what I infer from it, but I know there's gotta be more strategy, a little bit more nuance involved. So I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, no, I think you definitely understand it. The concept I think there's, but maybe to add a little bit more to it is a lot of teams will kind of shift their strategy. Some teams will play that way, like kind of all the time. Um, hmm. or play more defensive minded in, in general. So Burnley's a team like that wolves, the last two years have been that way where hmm. they're more likely to play defensive and then try and score on the counter attack. Um, and that would, so they're fine, like having 70, 30 possession, like having 30% of, of possession. Um, and so, so you have that aspect of just kind of general, but you'll have teams who play different strategies against different teams. So against mm -hmm. so a team like Burnley would potentially park the bus as a strategy against a top flight team and say, we yep. want to, we want to just try and get a point. If we can get a point nil, nil, and then we'll get our wins from other teams that are closer to our caliber. Right. And so, um, so that, so yeah, you could park the bus at a certain point of the game, but then you'll have teams who that's their whole strategy for the whole game mm. is to, to just park the bus. And they're like, okay. we're going to make you beat us by breaking us down somehow. Right. So, so I think you kind of understand it for the most part, but. I think it's important that we go to the authoritative definition site of urban dictionary. <laughs> uh, uh Oh, Urban Dictionary defines it as a tactic used by football or soccer teams in which they play defensively for the entire game in order to deny mm -hmm. an apparent superior team any goals and escape with a scoreless draw and thus with one point instead of risking it all and going for three points and possibly getting none. Yeah, Kudos, interesting. Kudos Urban Dictionary. That sounds yeah, so good. I I thought Urban Dictionary was going to take that in an entirely different direction. But. As did I, which is why I clicked on it to see what they had to say, and then it was spot on. There's probably some secondary um, yeah. definitions that you got to scroll down for, but we'll, we'll skip that. We're mildly uh, kid-friendly. We're PG-13, probably. You are correct. I found them. Yeah, one F-bomb per episode. That's right. Um. Assist of the week. I just want to give a shout out. Murphy 
we haven't even mentioned Newcastle. I don't know if we've mentioned Newcastle all season, but um, Murphy to Gale, um, just a beautiful cross. Gale with the header to score. Um, just a great, a great assist. Do you guys have anything? You know, I didn't have an assist of the week, but I did have a performance of the week. And it goes to none other than the keeper at Crystal, excuse me, Crystal Palace, uh, Vicente Goida. He uh, let one goal in on a Harry Kane, probably should have stopped it, but he kind of got screened in front of them and it curved the way he didn't think it was going to curve. Uh, but he made some of the most phenomenal saves I've seen in a really long time in net. Uh, they ended up taking the one-one draw there, and it was a it was only because of him. He was phenomenal, especially in the last 10, 15 minutes of that match. So wanted to give a shout out. My performance of the week is going to Vicente for that one. That's a good choice. Yeah, he had that that save at the end of the match was on that set piece in yeah. the top. Oh my god. That's got to be save of the year. That yeah, was so good. That was so good. So good. All right. We're going to enter into a new segment that I'm calling pronunciation practice. <laughs> if you've been listening, you probably hear all of us mispronounce stuff, but you especially hear both Chris and Kyle mispronounce names, teams, etc. So I have five, I have five names. I'm, we're, we're on video. So I'm going to show them a name. You'll know it once they say it, or you won't. And you'll be wondering who they're talking about until <laughs> someone says it correctly, but I have five names and we're going to, we're going to give these guys each a crack at saying them. And then um, I'll give them some scores one out of five on how close they got. <laughs> so, all right. Eventually, the, the pronunciation practice is going to be named after this guy. but So we're going to start with him. And so um, we're going to have Chris go first for this one. Yay. I hate you. Pulisic. All right. <laughs> Kyle? Pulisic. Mm, mm. All right. It is Christian Pulisic. I even on the back, I kind of wrote it phonetically to help you. Pulisic. All right. Pulisic. Um, I'm going to give Chris five points. Somehow, Chris, it's the first time he's pronounced it right all season. <laughs> I wonder if it's because I didn't say his first name with it. Oh, like, I thought the L was, was silent. No. Not in his. Uh, that is one thing I did learn in season one. Um, I, I think the CH of his first name for whatever reason, gets stuck in my head. And I usually pronounce ick with, ch I give the yeah. C-H sound. So maybe just saying his last name is what I need to do. Yeah. Just say uh, Pulisic. All right. Here's the next one. This is not Premier League, but I hear Christmas pronounce this all the time. And so that, that gives him a clue because now he's not going to pronounce it how he normally does, but. Kyle, you get to go first. I know what I want to say, but I think it's Barca. All right. Chris, what I are you am, going with? Yes, I'm also going with Barca. It is Barca. Chris typically pronounce it as Barca. I do, 100%. Yeah. 
I got you. Of the time, but we will we'll give Chris. You guys both pronounced it. Per, that's the shorthand for Barcelona. Right, and the reason why I knew I was going with Barca, and this just could be another thing for me. It's all mental. Is like when I'm just pulling it off the top of my head. I I see it in my head as B A R C A, but when I see you holding the word up, I know that that is short for Barcelona, yeah. which makes Barca mean more sense to me. Yes. All right, here we go. Chris, you get first crack at this one. Lester. Yeah, I, I would say Lester. I no, only know this, I think I know this, because I heard about them a few years ago when they had that great run. Otherwise, I would have butchered that. That's right. Lester City, it's not like Chester or Leicester. Um, Leicester. <laughs> You guys, you guys are doing really well. When the pressure is on, you're stepping up. It's currently 15 to, to 12. Chris has pronounced all of them correctly, which means you're learning because I've, I've, I've also um, uh, like corrected you over the years too. So Kyle, It also could of, mean that this is about to go downhill. It could. The last one, I've saved the, la- the, the, <laughs> the best one for last. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. Who's it's Kyle's turn to, or Chris's turn to go first, right? Or no, Kyle's. Kyle's turn to go first. Uh, that would be Baby Yota. <laughs> All right, Baby Yota, Chris. Messi. No, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Jota. All right. Um, Chris gets three points. Kyle gets two. It is Jota. Jota. Okay. Not Jota. It's Jota um all right chris extends his lead 18 14 i need a really bad 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 pronunciation on this one um and here we go chris has to go first all right kevin de bruyne Kevin De Bruyne. All right. I actually listened to him say it a whole bunch of times, and there is no way anyone can get a five. And out of the <laughs> way, he says it. So, Chris, I'm going to give you four points for that. Yeah. Kyle, I'm going to give you three. Kevin Thank De Bruyne, you. as best as I can get it, uh, phonetically, De Bruyne. That's, that's probably the best we're going to get. There's like some guttural sounds in there, uh, typically. Mm. So uh, Chris somehow wins the first installment. Uh, next time I won't make it as easy. These are all pretty much names that Chris has at some point uh, butchered and been corrected. So he stepped up his game and there you go. Well done. That's not surprising. I still mispronounce Chipotle. So <laughs> like right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, nay. All right. Um, let's us look forward to um this upcoming week. We have uh a little let's look back quick at our lock it ins. Um we all missed. We all picked games that end in in draws. Chris and I taking Liverpool over Fulham. Clearly a lock. 
and Kyle going with Man U over Man City. Those were all draws, which equal losses when you're you're basically trying to guarantee when you're guaranteeing picks. I've also added some uh, I've added some records here. And so uh, I fall to eight and three. Uh, and Chris and Kyle fall to six and five. So there we have it. I am at eight and three. Chris and Kyle are tied at six and five. Um, let's take a little look forward. Uh, we have two match weeks built into one. We will not be doing a midweek podcast, so we will check back in next week. But there are two match weeks here uh, that we, a lot of soccer in December. So we're each going to pick pick a couple matches from, from the match weeks. Um, I am taking, for this midweek match week, I'm going to take Southampton over Arsenal. Um, Chris, who do you have? I am, so one of my rules, so we have our no bottom three rule. One of my personal rules is I'm not going to pick the same game anyone else picks. So I love the Southampton over Arsenal pick. It would have been mine, but you put it in there first. I'm giving it to you. Um, I'm going to take Aston Villa over Burnley. All right, there we go. Kyle, did you want to make a pick for this week? Because I know you have a pick for the weekend games. Did you want to pick a midweek game? Yes, I am trying to catch up. Get that memo, boys. Is Fulham out? Yes, they're in the bottom three now. Okay. Here's what we're doing then. Midweek, we're taking Arsenal over Southampton. Let's get wow. on the board, boys. All right. Wow. They're back. They're due. Looking to pick up two points on Nate with that one. There it is. That's true. That's right. That'd bring us close. Um, for and then the- this weekend. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Then this okay. weekend. <laughs> I didn't realize I had this until just now. I love it. But now, then I'm picking against Arsenal. Everton over Arsenal. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Chris, who are you going with on the weekend? Um, I'm going to break another rule for myself. I'm taking Man United over Leeds in the renewal of their rivalry. Beautiful. I love it. Um, I would not be picking Wolves if my life depended on it anytime soon. (laughs) Um, I am taking Liverpool over Crystal Palace. That feels like a good, solid win for Liverpool in my eyes. I like it. I said well, we had two new games, Chris. Yeah, I thought this would be a good place for me to finally have some fun with you guys. And now mine is by no means intended to uh, embarrass anyone on this this podcast. It's a simple over-under game, guys. That's all it is. I'm going to give right. you a situation. I'm going to set the over-under, and I want you to tell me what you think. Is it going right. over or under? All so, right. Nate, we're going to start with you for question number one. Wolves goals this week. So both games, two games, two matches. Wolves goals for this week. The over-under is set at two and a half. Are you taking the over or under? Under. All right. I thought thought you were going to be a dick and set it at one. 
No, 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 no. I'm trying, I'm trying to be realistic with this. And, and no, but I actually, I think I would have had a hard time. I probably would have taken the <laughs> over, but I really think they're probably going to lose to Chelsea like 2 0 and hopefully beat Burnley 1 0. So I'm taking the under. Two and a half, I think, is rather generous. Okay. Kyle? I'm going to go the under. All right. Okay. Wait, did you? Which one did you take, Nate? I'm sorry. I, I took the, the under. I took the under. You both took the under. I'm sticking with the under. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have, yeah. They've been having trouble. Yeah. I mean, they have. They have two straight clean sheets against them, so they haven't scored in, yeah. in two matches. So. Yep. All right. Question number two, guys. Combined wins this week for Spurs, Liverpool, and Leicester. Now, the interesting part about this is that. Leicester plays Everton and Liverpool plays the Spurs in the midweek game. And then in the weekend games, Liverpool plays Crystal Palace and the Spurs play Leicester. So these top three teams are all kind of playing each other this week. So combined wins for Spurs, Liverpool, and Leicester. The most there can be is only four because they end up playing each other. So the over-under is two and a half. Combined, so combined wins for Leicester, Spurs, and Liverpool. Yes. Okay. This is some galaxy brain stuff. I need a, <laughs> I need a notepad. Yeah, I'm like, well, I'm looking at the schedule. That's the only thing. What's that funny me. is I just, I wanted to do the top three teams. And then yeah. when I was looking, I was like, oh, they play each other. Well, oh, well, let's just go with it. The, I'm going to go over. The over under is two, two and a half. Yeah. I'm taking the over also. All right. It's not very exciting when we pick the same, but. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Question number three. Is Leeds goals versus Manchester United this weekend. The over-under is set at one and a half. Nate, what are you taking? I'll take the over. All right. Kyle? All right, I'll go under just to be different. Okay. And you? Yeah. All right. Y'all been well, playing well lately. They have, other than the first half of the Champions League game. Other than that. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, question number four. Red cards given this week. So – Mid-match, midweek matches, and this weekend matches. We're setting the over-under for red cards at one and a half. Hmm. Kyle, we'll let you go first. I think you got to take the over. I'm taking the over also. Okay. All right, last question. And this is actually not going to be played out for this entire week. Um, this is for the month of December, and the question is, the amount of games Arteta will coach for Arsenal in December. They play five games. The over-under is set at three and a half. Mm. Nate, I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna go over. They're gonna turn Kyle, it around. Kyle, 
Kyle's taking the over, saying he stays. Nate, what do you think? I'm taking the over. All right. I think he's going to be there. All right. Fair enough. What does Titus say? <laughs> he's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We got you down on record. We'll see how these play out, and uh, we'll see who wins. Wonderful. I love it. Over-unders. Um, we've already kind of talked about these matches, but matches to focus on Liverpool, Tottenham, one versus two. Hopefully it's a little more exciting than the last uh, one versus two matchup. Um, that should be a fun one to watch uh, this week. I think Wednesday and then over the weekend, uh, I think Southampton versus Man City should be fascinating to see is Southampton legit. And then also, like Chris mentioned, Tottenham Leicester should be an exciting match as well. Kyle, who are you focusing on this week? Yeah, you mentioned who I'm going to be watching. I want to check out Southampton. Haven't seen them play yet this year, and they have a great match against man city and so i'm going to take that opportunity to look at them and watch that match great well we've talked about him a lot um james ward prouse will be a guy to keep your eye on you're gonna love yannick vestergaard vestergaard you are gonna love him he's not a striker but he is a monster um you're gonna love him danny ings uh, james ward prouse has got all the kind of love this year from us at least but Danny Ings is really their, their, their primary piece, their, their goal scorer. Um, but he's been injured and that's why we haven't heard as much from him. Um, Shea Adams as well has put, ha, has also played well this season. So, um, those are some names to look out for. Um, yeah. Perfect. Guys. It's been a pleasure. I'm going to leave and go cry into a pillow as I watch the greatest debacle in fantasy playoff history take place before my eyes. I, I lose my fantasy game because the Ravens defense is abysmal. Sorry, right, buddy. That's all right. Could be worse. Your team could be owned by the Glazers. Yeah, they could be. But Glazers out, boys. Peace. See you.